If you were under the age of 15 and you'd like to come forward and sit on this front pew, you are welcome to. If you are not comfortable coming forward, that's okay if you sit where you're at. But if you want to come on up here, that would be great. around, and it got to be a very long day, 
And we were, my, it was time for us to have dinner. And so my mom's like, you know, the house is trashed right now. We're still trying to get things organized. Let's not worry about trying to sit down at the table and have dinner. I'm just going to make some food and you guys put it on some plates and go sit in the living room and watch TV while your father and I sit out here in the dining room. And we'll just have a quiet dinner together. And then we'll get back and do some more work. Well, while we're sitting in the living room eating our food, one of my sisters started giving me a hard time. Pestering me. And I was like, stop it! And I was trying not to say it loud. I didn't want to say anything out loud because I didn't want my mom and dad to know we were fighting. And she... And all of a sudden, my mom said, knock it off in there. I can see what you kids are doing. And I went... And she said, oh, yes, I can. And I went... And I looked over, and there was a mirror sitting on the floor. And she was in the dining room, and the mirror was there, and I looked, and I could see my mom in the mirror, and my mom went... Ricky, can I get you to come up here for a second? This is my grandson. His name is Patrick. Patrick lives in Hawaii. We don't get to see each other very often, but he came for one week to be with us, and I asked him if he would help me. So you guys can see Patrick, right? He's standing in front of you. You know now what he looks like, right? Okay, go stand at the back of the, of the, by the door there, please. You guys keep looking forward at me. Can you see Patrick? Patrick, wave to them. Can you see him waving to you? Wave to him. You guys wave to him. Patrick, can you see them waving? See, he can see you, but you can't see him. Let me show you one other thing that's really cool. Patrick, can you see yourself in this mirror? No. Tell me when you can. Yes. There? You can see yourself. I'm going to move the mirror. Can you see the kids' faces? No. A little bit higher. Higher? A little bit more tilted? Which way? Towards you or away from me? Uh, top towards me. Towards me? A little bit there. Can you see the kids? Yes. Kids, can you see Patrick? <laughs> can you see him waving? Okay. God does that. God makes it possible for us to see God and to know God, even though God's not physically present with us. It's like, it's almost like God has an angel standing there with a mirror, pointing into heaven and pointing down to the earth so that we can all see each other and communicate with each other. And so, just like my mom was able to see me when, please, nobody break this mirror, my wife will kill me. I didn't ask permission. <laughs> when my mom could see me in the mirror because we were sitting in the living room, the dining room, and she could wave and see me. Okay, Patrick, you can sit down and you guys can just now see Patrick. It's in that same way that God has some power. I don't fully understand it, but God has some crazy, wonderful power where he can be in heaven, but he can still see me. The Bible says he knows everything about me. He knows, he even saw me when I was still in my mama's tummy being formed. He knows everything about every day that's going to be part of my life because God cares about me specifically. He knows me intimately. He knows my name. He knows what I'm afraid of. He knows what I'm happy about. He knows when I'm scared. He knows when I'm sick. Because he can see me, even though I can't see him. And it's the same for every single one of you. God loves you. And God knows everything about you. And God can see you, even though you can't see him. And you can trust that God will take care of you. So I want to pray with you right now, okay? Jesus, please bless these kids. And Lord, 
you can manifest yourself in ways that we can recognize and see. And I pray that you would do that for these kids, that they would turn their hearts to you, that they would submit themselves and become followers of you, children of the light, children of God. We give you praise, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Okay, you guys can head on back to your moms and dads and wherever you're sitting. I'm going to come over here. And I left my Bible. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is called Under the Fig Tree. So if you want to turn to, for, to the Gospel of John, the, chapter, the, first, the first chapter... Again, we're looking at verses 43 through 51. I want to look at this interchange between Philip and Nathaniel and Jesus. What we talked about with the kids is just one little tiny part of it. Jesus is God. He can see when he's, whether he's physically present or not. He can see what's going on in your world. But I want to look at this and why, because there's, there's some truth there uh, that I believe God intentionally had this story in the Bible because he wanted us to know some stuff about how God relates with us. So first of all, simple, simple, simple thing. Peter, I mean, Jesus says to Philip, follow me. Face to face, follow me. So God comes to Philip. God reaches out to Philip and says, I want you in my life. I want you to have a relationship with me. Will you come and join me? And Philip, yes, I will. What's the first thing that we know of that Philip did? He went to tell his friend about discovering the Messiah, the, 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 the anointed one, the one that they've been waiting for. First response, not sitting there for himself going, oh, I'm with God. No, he goes and tells his friend, come here, come here, come and see this. This is amazing. The guy we've been waiting for, he's here. I just met him, come on. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And Philip's like, Nazareth? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, we don't understand. We don't know the context. You know, it's kind of like saying, Healy? Healy? What's in Healy? Coal dust? You know, so, who knows? I'm not disparaging Healy. If you live in Healy and you're watching this video, love you. But the reality is, you know, we don't know the context, culturally, of what they were saying there. But, Nathaniel was saying something about he didn't expect to see anything miraculous or great coming out of, out of Nazareth. But for some reason, this is where Jesus was from, and Philip believed that he was. And so Philip's like, okay, fine, I'll go. I mean, Nathaniel's like, okay, fine, I'll go. He goes with Philip to see Jesus. And when Nathaniel gets up to the area where Jesus is with his followers, and it's just a small group right now. There's not a large crowd of people, but there's Probably, I don't know, maybe 10 people, 20 people. We're not given that information. But we do know from the way the language is written that he's talking plurally when he says you to various things. And so we know that there's a group of people standing around Jesus. And Jesus says, hey guys, look! Here comes an Israelite who is totally, totally upright and upstanding. Now, he, and he said he's without guile. The Greek word is dolos, D-O-L-O-S, dolos. It means without without deception, without falseness, without, um, to, be, to be real and true and genuine and authentic. But Jesus didn't say, here's a man who's never sinned. Okay? Because the Bible tells us all people have sinned. Every single human being that has ever lived has sinned at least one time and fallen short of the glory of God. 
But he did say to, about Nathaniel to his friends, here's a man who's inten- who is intentionally and purposely genuine in his faith. He has owned his faith and he's been faithful to follow the teachings that he's been brought to. And God is pleased with this man. And he honored him publicly by calling him faithful. And Nathaniel looks at him and goes, You know me? How do you know me? And Jesus smiles. Now he doesn't pull out the card and say, God. He doesn't do that. He goes, When you were under the fig tree all by yourself, I saw you there. Now again, for us, we don't understand that expression. It's not part of our world. But if I said to you, when you were in your prayer closet, I saw you. Do you understand that expression? Because in our world, in our culture, we talk about getting quiet before God in our prayer closet, or we go to our quiet place, or we have our devotions, or we have our morning... Well, being under the fig tree is an expression. It's, it's actually throughout the Bible. I uh, don't have time this morning to do to go through those areas, but you can look it up when you do a word search. Under the fig tree literally means going to a place of quiet to meditate and be before God, to, to think about the, the things of God and to think about truth, think about the scriptures, to meditate. So what we hear Jesus saying to Nathaniel is, when you were having your quiet time with God and no one else was around, I was very present with you. Can you imagine somebody coming up to you and saying that? How do you know me? Have we ever met before? We haven't physically met, but I was there when you were having a quiet time with God. What? Now, the thing that's cool, too, about this, and it comes at the very end, if you look at verses uh, 51, 52, 53, Jesus, scholars think, we don't know for a fact, because we weren't there. Scholars think that the reason Jesus made this obscure reference to angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And he was referencing the story of, anybody idea? Jacob. What happened with Jacob at the place known as Bethel? In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, what happened? He what? He dreamed of a ladder. And this ladder, what did he see happening with the ladder? Angels going up to heaven from the earth and coming down from the earth, from heaven to the earth, using the ladder. In other words, they accessed earth and earth accessed heaven by way of the ladder. Now, think about it. When you have your quiet time with God, when you have prayed, worshipped, confessed, thanked, Given supplication, the acts thing, A-C-T-S, adore, confess, give thanksgiving, make supplication. After you've done that, what do you do in your quiet time? I don't know, I'm not with you. But when you're under the fig tree in your own quiet time, I read the Bible afterwards. I usually quiet my heart before God by praying and worshiping and confessing any sins that are in my life. And then once I've got myself in a place where I'm focused on God, because I've spent some time talking to God, then I open His Word and say, Speak to me, Lord. What do you want to show me from your Word? And I read the Scriptures. So imagine in this scenario that Nathaniel was under the fig tree in his quiet time with God, and he may not have had a scroll, but he was thinking through things that he had learned about God. 
Now imagine, he's possibly, and we don't know, because we're not given this in Scripture, but scholars think it's possible. He was actually reflecting on this story out of Genesis, where Jacob was laying down at the place of Bethel with his hand on a rock, and he dreamed about this ladder where God made it possible for heaven to touch earth and earth to touch heaven by means of this ladder. And Jacob may, I mean, may have been thinking, what was that ladder? What does that represent? Hmm. That's interesting that he was sensing the Holy Spirit of God warming his heart. Have you ever had that happen when you're reading the Bible and thinking and meditating on the Word of God? That all of a sudden, God just seems to reveal to you the truth, and you're like, ooh, and it's kind of warm and fuzzy on the inside because you recognize that this is from God. And so who knows what was happening, but maybe Nathaniel's reflecting on this story of Jacob laying and he sees the ladder and he's thinking, what is this ladder thing? And it gives access from heaven to earth and earth to heaven. Wow, wouldn't that be cool if somehow God could make that happen even today in my own life? Wouldn't it be cool if I could see the very heavens come down to me and me have access. What would be the ladder that I could use to access that? Oh, wait a minute. We're given in the Word the idea that there's this Messiah that's coming and when he comes, he's going to bring freedom and liberty. I wonder if maybe the Messiah might possibly... I mean, this is just his thoughts going on while he's in his quiet time with God. And then all of a sudden, his friend comes up and says, Nathaniel, <laughs> you just met the Messiah, you need to come and see it's Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth? Nazareth? What good could come out of Nazareth? You know, God, so come on, come on, come on, you need to see him, it's so wonderful, come on. And so Philip's like, oh, I mean, Nathaniel's like, okay, fine, as he's walking with his friend Philip, and then all of a sudden, Jesus stops what he's doing and turns and looks straight at Nathan, Nathaniel, and says, in him, is a man of true Israelite, one who has no falsehood, one who has no guile, one who is totally on fire for God. And Nathaniel's like, what? How, how, how do you even know me, man? And he's like, well, I saw you when you were having your quiet time talking to God about that latter thing. Because look at verses 51, 52, and 53. Out of, the, out of nothing, he makes reference to this latter thing. What was that all about? Well, it was a way for Jesus to confirm in his heart, in Nathaniel's heart, that indeed he was the latter. Look at the words that he used. He said in verse 53, Truly, truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is one of the very first statements in the Gospel of John that Jesus himself was the bridge or the access between heaven and earth. That Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. That's in John chapter 14, verse 6, if you haven't memorized it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the ladder, Nathaniel, by the way by which God is choosing to access all of humanity and giving all of humanity access to the very heart of the Father. You can trust me. And what are Nathaniel's words? What does it say? Nathaniel looked at him and says, Rabbi, which is a sign of respect, a sign of authority. You will be submitting himself to him, saying, I want to be your follower. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. 
You are the king of Israel. Now, Philip, Nathaniel, Peter, James, Andrew, all of those guys, they lived in the year zero. They lived in the time before Christ. Or they were born right around the time Christ was born. But the bottom line is, they don't know what we know. When we say Son of God, we're already in, in, indoctrinated in the theology of two millennia. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I believe in one God, the Father of all, of all uh, create, who created, I can't quote it off the top of my head right now, but the Nicene Creed specifically says, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 2,000 years of us knowing and understanding about a trinity, a God who is triune. Nathaniel does not have that point of reference yet in his theology. So what is he saying when he says, Son of God? He's referring back to a prophecy out of the book of Daniel that specifically talks about the Son of God coming. And this is the idea that they've been waiting for this Messiah. And it says, does it not say when Philip was talking to him? Yeah. Verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to Nathanael, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, which is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and also the prophets. So we have found him of whom Moses and in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael's response is, You're the king of Israel. He doesn't fully understand yet that he is indeed God incarnate. He's not there yet in his belief. God's going to show him that through time. Because he says, you're willing to accept it just because I can tell you I can see you under a tree? Let me tell you, there's going to come time in the very near future you're going to see a lot better than that. I'm going to tell you in the very next chapter of this story, we're going to go to a wedding. And my mom's going to force me Moms. She's going to force me to turn water into wine. It's not going to be something that I really want to do, but I have to do it. And when you see that, you're going to go, oh, that's more than just talking about stuff or saying you're clairvoyant. You can actually change molecular structure. Wow, that's interesting. And then you're going to see other things happen. You're going to see me walk on water. You're not going to believe it. You're going to think I'm a ghost. But the reality is I'm going to come right to the book and get in and you're going to know it was me. And in chapter 11 of this book, which isn't written yet, you're going to see me raise my friend Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead four days. He was in the tomb. He stinketh, according to the King James. And I'm simply going to say, Lazarus, come forth. And he will come out of that grave. So you don't fully understand what you're saying right now, Nathaniel, but I am encouraging you to continue walking with me. And I will continue to reveal myself more and more and more. I'll hold a mirror up to myself and you'll get to know better and better who I am. But for right now, I'm willing to accept you with the little tiny bit of faith that you've got. You're a person who's been intentional trying to follow the things of God. You, are in, you have no guile, no falsehood in you. You want to be a man of God. And I'm telling you, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be one of my children. None of these words make sense yet, but they will. If you will follow me, you're going to see incredible and powerful and glorious.
those things. And God is going to transform your life, Nathaniel. And God is going to move in such a powerful way in your life that you are actually going to be used of God to affect the entire world and all of human history from this point forward. Because you will be one of the twelve. All because I saw you under the fig tree. And you were willing to believe. Isn't that a powerful story? And you, it's been in front of you all morning long. Psalm 139. We're not going to take time to read it this morning. It's like 24, 25 verses long. But that very first verse, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. At this moment, God knows every single one of you. God has seen every single one of you. Whether you're here in this church or whether you're sitting in some dark closet somewhere doing heaven knows what, God has seen you. And God desires relationship with you. And God knows all of the dark things that were part of your life or may still be part of your life. God knows that you have sinned because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not a matter of, you know, oh, God would never accept me because God doesn't know. God knows. And He still accepts. He still loves. And He still wants. And He still desires. And it's simply a matter of you saying, you know what? You are the Son of God. And I want to be your follower. Because I want you to change me. I want you to fix the stuff that's been broken. And I know I can't do it in my own strength. So God, I give you everything that's me. And I ask you to cleanse me of my sins and forgive me of my rebellion and to help me to walk a life that is true and honorable and holy and pure. And guess what? If you're a Christian and you are recognizing that you're still struggling with that desire to go towards the dark side, that's called carnality. That's the, the brokenness that happened at the time of the fall. And God has offered a healing for that as well. Because once you're already in right relationship with God through the blood of Christ, He offers to you what is known as entire sanctification, which means the Holy Spirit of God will come in and cleanse and right that which has been broken. When you get saved, all of your sins are forgiven and you put in right relationship with God. But when you as a Christian then consecrate your whole life to God and say, I want you to be Lord of my life then the Holy Spirit of God can then make right the things that are broken on the inside. And so the offer that's being made to all of us this morning is this. If you don't know God because you've never had a right relationship with God because you've been a sinner, and you recognize right now that God is speaking to you because this is kind of beating a little bit, it's a little bit scary, and your palms are sweaty, and you're like, man, that's God talking to you. That's not me. That's God talking to you. And you need to respond to that. Because he sees you under the tree, in the closet, in your car, wherever you happen to be. And he still loves you and he still wants you. If you are a Christian and God is speaking to you because there's been some stuff going on that he wants to correct and make right and get, then that's something else you need to resolve. Today. It's an offer of God. It will be done all by God. All you have to do is say, please. The Father can make the fix. The Father can bring the healing. The Father can bring the life. All you have to do is say, I want it. Please, and receive it by faith. So God, I have been praying that God would guide me in this, and so I feel strongly led that we're going to take a moment to close our eyes, bow our heads, 
And I'm going to put you through a little bit of an uncomfortable thing. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I am going to ask you to raise your hand. No one else is going to be looking around. And unfortunately, it is being videotaped, but this part of it will be edited out. Okay? Close your eyes, please. If you are a person who has never had a true relationship with God, if you are a person who knows that you're a sinner, if you know because right now you're feeling it very heavy in your heart that you are not in right relationship with God, and you want God to give you healing and forgiveness and to make it right before Him, would you raise your hand quietly so I can see and I'll pray with you? Glory to your name. Hallelujah. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put your hands down. If you are a person who has been a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but for whatever reason, things have started happening in your world and the darkness has come back in, rebellion has started coming back in, you are not where you need to be and you know it. If you are struggling with carnality, this idea that always being drawn to the bad, always being drawn to the dark, God can bring healing there as well. If you're that person, would you quietly raise your hand so I can pray for you? I see those hands. Put your hands down. Thank you. I will be praying with you. If you want to pray with me privately afterwards, we'll go down to my, my office and we can pray and talk. But regardless, I'll be praying for you. But let's pray together right now. God, thank you. Praise you. Glory to your name. I ask God that you would please, please, please heal these hearts. Let the blood of Christ cleanse them from all sin. May your Holy Spirit empower and cleanse and make right that which is gone wrong. And I pray, Father, that as we walk out of this space, that we will be people of the Lord, children of God, in whom there is no falseness, because we have spent time under the fig tree. 